So I, I, I woke up singing that song uh, in, in uh, preparing this message. And um, that's by a band called America. How many are old enough to remember America? And uh, the guy that wrote that song was one of the three members of America, and uh, his name is Dan Peek. And I'm going to tell you a story about that song and all that those lyric means in just a few minutes. But hang in there. Because I'm talking today about love breaking through loneliness. Love breaking through loneliness. You know, if we've learned anything uh, through the COVID um, challenges, I think the greatest thing that we've learned is that uh, the need for social connection is, is enormous. And uh, my wife and I uh, were at the Glen Rose Hospital yesterday visiting somebody who's, it was their 50th anniversary, but their family couldn't be present, so they had to go down to the parkade and meet with their family members as they would all kind of come in and, and wish them a happy 50th anniversary. Isolation and loneliness and these different things are really not the heart of God, are really the heart of how we're made up and how we're connected. This is psychology today's definition of loneliness. Loneliness is the state of distress or discomfort that results when one perceives a gap between one's desires for social connection and actually experiences of it. Interesting. See, loneliness, first of all, is not solitude. Nine times in the Gospels, Jesus went alone so that he could be with his Father. He went to places of solitude. So solitude is not loneliness. Isolation is not loneliness. How many of you know you can be in a crowd of people and still feel totally alone? You can even be in a long-term marriage and feel that sense of deep loneliness. Pastor Adrian Rogers defines uh, loneliness a little bit closer to the heart. Here's what he says. Loneliness is a painful sense of being unwanted, unneeded, uncared for, maybe even unnecessary. See, all of us are looking for a place to belong. We're looking for a place to know others and to be known. We're looking for a place to love and to be loved. We're looking for a place to serve and be served, a place to admonish and be admonished, a place to celebrate and be celebrated, a place to influence and be influenced. We are not meant to be alone. <laughs> we are social creatures. We're designed for connection. Mother Teresa said these words, the most terrible poverty is loneliness and a feeling of being unloved. Well, what causes loneliness? There's many things that we could list. I'm just going to put up a few thoughts here. Maybe just bring up that slide as I go through each one of these things. What causes loneliness? How about past rejections? You know, if you've ever been hurt before in your life, then you have past rejections. How about insecurity? Maybe you don't feel worthy of being loved. How about grief? You, you, nobody knows what people are going through and what they're feeling when they're going through a loss. How about self-centeredness or sin or the depersonalization of society, a loss of purpose? All of these things produce loneliness. You know, it's interesting to me, uh, according to psychologists today, you can take the slide down now. Thanks, guys. 
according to psychologists, the loneliest people right now during COVID are not seniors. Though they're in the top three, the loneliest people today, according to psychologists, are young adults and youth of older youth age. They're the loneliest people today. Why? Because they feel this deep sense of a loss of purpose. What's the point is kind of the language right now. But rather than go down the dark rabbit hole of loneliness, we're going to talk about God's answer to loneliness. What does it mean that God meets us in our place of loneliness so that we'll never be alone again? What's God's cure for a lonely world? Here's the first thing. God offers us friendship with himself. See, when you look at Jesus's life, you would think this guy's lonely. You look at him, you know, Isaiah 53, 3 says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. Uh, you know, John 1, 11 says, he came into his own, but his own would receive him not. He seemed a lot to live a life of desperate loneliness. And if you look at him, this is what you're, you would experience when you, you would perceive his life. But I want you to know Jesus was never alone. He always was with his father, except once. Once Jesus was completely alone. And that's because Jesus had to swallow up the human condition. He had to take on every aspect of the human condition, its separation from God, its separation from each other, its separation from self, and so Jesus experienced this depth of loneliness because he was experiencing it as a human being. We know that he died alone in that sense. All his disciples deserted him. One denied him. One betrayed him. And even the Father himself forsook him. Jesus on the cross said these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now understand, my friends, <laughs> Jesus was not forsaken as the Son. He was forsaken as representing you and I. Because the sins of the world were placed on Jesus, because he took all of my disconnection from God, all of my disconnection from myself, all of my disconnection from the world around me, all of that was placed upon Jesus Christ. And so he wasn't separated from the Father as representing himself as the Son of God. He was separated from the Father as representing all humanity and all that would separate us from God because all of that was placed on him. That's an incredible thought, that Jesus even took loneliness and being alone and took that away from us. You see, sin separates us from God and our true selves and from one another. It creates a chasm of loneliness. But Jesus took our place of separation and ultimate loneliness so that we would never have to be alone again. Isn't that good? Amen. And so we're part of this eternal community. You need to understand that being a, a, a born-again believer, being someone who has invited Jesus Christ into their life, 
you literally, not only does Christ come and dwell in you, that, that is part of the deal. That's part of the good news, that Christ comes to live and dwell within us. But I want you to understand, you also enter into the eternal community of, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, it's the, Jesus said, Father, make them one as we are one. That we are enfolded into the Trinitarian nature of God by, by the means of Jesus' Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. It's incredible to understand that you are, are part of an eternal community. Not only will you not be alone in this life, but you will never be alone again for all of eternity. What a beautiful, incredible gift that you and I have been invited into. So the gospel is an invitation for the lonely to do life with God and life with one another. We know that this is a communal faith. Hallelujah. God's clearing a path to our heart and helping us to find home, family, and community. How many of you know people need to hear that today? This is the message of the gospel. This is the good, merry, joyful news. Just listen to Romans chapter 5. It says, Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were too weak and too rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. Now that we're set right with God by means of this sacrificial death, the consummate blood sacrifice, there is no longer any question of being at odds with God in any way. If when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son, now that we're on the best terms, just think how our lives will expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life. Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship with God. Amen. You know, you have been redeemed. And that word redeemed is an interesting word. It means that you were at enmity, you were an enemy of God, but now he has set you at one with himself. He has offered the world friendship. That's what he, being redeemed means. God has offered this world friendship. Now, that song that I had uh, Pastor Tyler sing, the Lonely People song by the band America and by Dan Peake. Well, Dan Peake uh, was a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. And after he left the band America, he went on a, a, a solo artistry, but as a Christian artist. And he re-released this song with the intention of, as to the meaning of that song. So when we heard it, this is for all the lonely people thinking that life has passed them by. Don't give up until you drink from the silver cup and ride that highway in the sky. He changed that last line to this, and give your heart to Jesus Christ. And then he goes on in the chorus and it says, rather than while well, I'm on my way, the chorus goes, well, he's on his way. He'll be here to stay He's coming back to take us home. Hallelujah. He'll never let you down. He'll never give you up. In the new lyrics, it was, he'll never take you down. He'll never give you up. 
He's telling and he's calling the world in his faith and the message that he wrote this song. Uh, he was calling the world to drink from this silver cup. And the silver cup is the cup of redemption. Do you know that the word, the, the word silver or silver as a metal represents redemption? It's actually it, all throughout the temple of God. The cups, the, the, all the utensils within the temple are made of silver. And that represents God's redemption. And so this is the invitation of this song, which Dan Peake clarified when people would ask him, because he would be asked, well, why are you this way? Well, I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. I believe in Jesus. And then when he re-released this song, he made it very clear as to the intention of what he was singing about. It's interesting to me that Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. The price of redemption. Amen? Now, you remember the story that he's betrayed by Judas and for 30 pieces of silver. And that's actually prophesied in the Old Testament that, that God, the Son of God would be betrayed for this amount of money. So he takes the 30 pieces, he feels remorseful, and he goes back to the temple and he says, I, I can't take this, what I've done is wrong. And they said, well, what's that to us? He takes the 30 pieces of silver and he throws them into the temple and he goes and he actually kills himself. It's a terrible story in the Bible. But the Pharisees and the people that were in that temple collected all the pieces of silver and said, oh, this is not good. This is blood money. We can't put this into the temple treasury. So we'll use it to buy a potter's field to use to, be, to bury foreigners and strangers. Now, why is that significant? The money that was spent on Jesus to betray him actually purchased a place for foreigners and for strangers to be buried. And a potter's field is a place where the broken pieces of pottery, those pieces that are no longer useful, those pieces that need to be reincorporated into the earth, that's the only good that they're going to have. Jesus' blood money was used to purchase the broken things of life. It was used to purchase a place for me, a foreigner, to the kingdom of God, me who is separated, a stranger to God. How many of you know it was used to purchase a place for me to come home to God? Amen? Beautiful, incredible imagery. Jesus Christ has done everything he can do to bring me into friendship with himself. That's why at Christmas we, we learn that one of his names is Emmanuel, God with us. That for lonely people, the message of Christmas is that you are not alone. And you will never be alone again if you will take God's invitation for friendship to heart. For God is with you. God is for you and not against you. God is on your side. Hallelujah. God offers mankind friendship with himself. Well, what's friendship with God like? Well, there's a multitude of things that we can talk about. Now, here's the thing more than anything. Um, Jesus is the king of kings, but how many of you know he's also the friend of friends? That no one is a better friend than Jesus. You're never going to find a better friend than him. Amen? So what are the f attributes of friendship? And really, the big question for me was, how 
should friends of God respond to God's friendship? And I think this is the answer. God asks his friends, those people that accept his friendship, he asks them to become friends of others, which is really our second thought today. God asks us to be friends to one another. Let me read John 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Amen? Isn't that a good command? The laundry list of heaven, the commandments of heaven are all summarized in. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself and go and live life. Amen? Boy, does our world need love today. You know, the Bible says that in the last days, church, the love of most will grow cold. Why? Because we're becoming so fractured in our society, so broken. This is the hour where the church needs to rise up the greatest and be incredible lovers of one another and lovers of people in this world. What does it mean to be a friend of God? What does a great friend look like? Well, we all know attributes of friendship. And, uh, you know, we could all list them. I asked the staff this week, what do you think makes a great friend? And they just started to list off different things. They said they have to be reliable. They have to be loving. They have to be forgiving. They have to be vulnerable and real. They have to have mutual respect. They have to be flexible, but committed, present with you, trustworthy. They need to uh, understand that we all have boundaries and respect their boundaries. They have to be fun to be around. And they went on and on. And it's great. And we could ask you, and you would give me some more of those things. And you've heard me say this before. In the Bible, there's uh, this phrase, one another or each other. And there are over... 50 one another's in the Bible. And I think the one another's are kind of a display of what it means to be a friend. And, you know, like practice hospitality to one another, love one another, be kind to one another, forgive one another. All these are in the scripture and God is laying out what it means to be a friend, but he doesn't just say you need to do this. How many of you know he demonstrates what friendship with him is like? And then he wants to live as a friend. You see, when I'm born again and I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life, Christ lives in me and Christ lives through me. And as Christ is living through me, he wants to befriend people around me. That's what he wants of you as well is that you will live as a friend to your neighbors, you will live as a friend to your coworkers, you will live as a friend to the people that you are with in everyday aspects of your life. How many know that's true even in marriage? You should 
marry your best friend. <laughs> and if you're not best friends, then work on that. Work on becoming each other's best friends. Amen? Well, I thought I would just kind of go through a few thoughts today of what great friendships look like. What are the qualities of good friends? Here's the first one. Trustworthiness and loyalty. How many would agree that trustworthiness is one of the foundations of friendship? That, you know, I always say this to the, to the, the guys that in the, or the people in the staff. I say, um, it's kind of a strange statement, but it, it carries such weight and thought. And this is what I say to them. Is my name safe in your mouth? And what I mean by that is they have my back. <laughs> that when they're going away, they're not leaving our meetings and saying, Pastor Greg's out to lunch, but, you know, whatever. They're not, they're not tearing me down. Are you following what I'm saying? They're not, they're not, they're not stabbing me in the back. You know, how many would agree that that's a key characteristic of friendship? That my name is safe in your mouth. Amen? Boy, do we want that from people more than we realize. And, and when people violate that trustworthiness, how many of them, any breach of that, whether perceived or real, can be very damaging to a friendship. And so we have to work hard to be trustworthy and to remain loyal. You know, a friend won't spill our secrets. A friend won't go and gossip about us. A friend won't even allow others to criticize us. <laughs> I love, you know, when people criticize others to me, I say, well, you should probably talk with them. And then I'll follow up and say, did you talk with them? No. Well, mm, you probably shouldn't be going around talking about them then, don't you think? Do you want me to set up a meeting for you? You guys can... <laughs> you should be able to, you understand? Somebody started to defame um, my ex-pastor from Fort McMurray. Somebody started to criticize him to me. That was not wise. Why? Because he's my friend. <laughs> Amen? And by the way, when you're criticizing, I'm going to tell you a little secret in case you don't know this. When you're criticizing somebody to somebody else, two things happen. You're damaging that reputation and that thought of that other person. But the second thing is, wise people will never trust you. Because if they say to themselves, if they are saying this about that person, what are they saying about me when I'm not present with them? Hmm. It, look, here's a great rule of thumb if you're going to be trustworthy and loyal. If I have the necessity to talk about you, but I'm not willing to talk to you, there's a problem there. I'm not living as a friend. Does that make sense? Amen. So we want to be trustworthy and loyal and be able to say to people and know that our name, our reputation is safe in their mouths. Here's the second one, honor and honesty. You know, honor is something that we have to give every single human being we meet. And uh, honor is um, seeing people's value or worth. You know, one of the things, and I'm not trying to be critical here, but 
when we humanize animals, like they do in cartoons and movies, or when we humanize different objects, uh, how many of you know that devalues humans? That you are the most incredible creation in all of the universe. You are created in the image of God. Wow, you are image bearers. Do you know why Satan hates humanity? Because they reflect the glory of God. That used to be his job before he turned his back on God. But now it's your job. And now it's the person's next to you job. That when every single human being that you look at reflects the glory of God, the image of God. And we're to honor the gift of Christ that each person is. Now you say, Pastor Greg, that person I really don't like, they don't really reflect God. I get it. That image is marred. That image is broken. But yet still the value of that human being, the value of each other is so valuable that Christ died to redeem that person. He paid the price because you are so important. How many of you need to have a kind of a self-talk moment <laughs> to say, God, you died for me. You said in the text I read, I did not choose you, God, but you chose me. God, you picked me. You thought I was so valuable. You thought I was of such worth that you saved me, God. You redeemed me. You paid the price for my sin and separation. So how many know we're to honor every person we meet? But there are times when we need to be honest as well. Same root word, by the way, for honor and honesty. You need to be honest at times. And this is what the Bible says in Ephesians 4.15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ Jesus. Amen? Speaking the truth in love. You know, the Bible doesn't just say speak the truth, but it says speak the truth in love. And if you can't speak the truth in love, then you probably shouldn't say anything. Kind of a great rule of friendship. I love Proverbs 27.6. It's not going to come up on your screen, but it's great scripture. It says, the kisses of an enemy may be profuse, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know, when your friend comes to you and sits you down and says, you know, this, we need to talk about something. I see this in your life and I see that it's, it's hurting you or I see this in your life and you need to know that it hurt me when you did this. Don't take that lightly, because how many of you know that's not easy for a friend to do? Amen? It's not easy for us to go to others and have truth conversations with people. So honor and honesty are a beautiful part of friendship in our lives in the kingdom of God. Here's another one, faithfulness and dependability. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says this, many a man claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. Amen? Who wants to be characterized as being faithful? 
man, I do. That when people look at my life, if someone could say to me, man, that person is dependable. That person is faithful. You know, if you, if you ask that guy to show up, he's going to show up. If you ask that guy to do something, he's going to do that thing. If you ask her if she can take care of that, she'll take care of it. it you can, she's faithful. She's dependable. You know, I love being with dependable means that a friend can count on you to be where you say you'll be and to do what you'll say you will do. And I love that, you know, that you can have that in your friendships, that you can depend on people and faithful people. And so as we, you know, we want to we ask a question like, am I faithful? Am I dependable? Or do I switch, you know, I, I make plans with people and then I switch it. And that, sometimes you do have to switch those plans. But how many of you know if you consistently switch plans with people, they start to suspect your friendship? <laughs> you know that's true. We have to be faithful and we have to be dependable. You see, friendship is a deep oneness with others that develops when two people speaking the truth in love journey together toward the same horizon. That's a great definition of marriage, by the way. You're standing with a person and you're moving toward a destination and a journey and you're moving toward wholeness, you're moving toward life and you're walking together on that journey. And how many of you know sometimes that journey is not easy? I think one of the things that has been challenging, I think, during COVID in a good way, uh, is that our shallowness is being exposed. <laughs> God is looking for a deep oneness in the body of Christ. Do you know that you are created to be in relationship not only with God, but with every person in this room? Wow, that's a huge responsibility on you. And it's a beautiful thought that God wants to trust you with helping people move toward wholeness and oneness. Well, here's another thought about what a good friend is like. By the way, in this list, have you noticed that Jesus is good at every one of these? Anybody figure that out yet? Here's one that I think he's also good at. Vulnerability and authenticity. Vulnerability and authenticity. How many of you know you, if you want to trusting, be tr trusting as a friend, you also have to trust your friends? And I think if you have difficulty sharing your authentic self with a friend, it's doubtful your friend will be easily willing to do this with you. I, I just think vulnerability is one of the great traits of friendship. You should be able to talk to one another about things that are going on in your life. And you have to have that. You have to be able to be vulnerable. And this is, I be, think, the beauty and, the, and the, the, what is so incredible about the body of Christ is that vulnerability leads to acceptance, it leads to security, it leads to significance. I love James 5.16, it says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. When I'm vulnerable with you, you know, if you guys have noticed this, I'll confess sins from the stage. 
I will tell you things that I've done wrong in my marriage. I will tell you things I've done wrong in my friendships. I'll tell you things that I've done wrong. Why do I do that? Because in my being vulnerable with you, my hope is that you will learn vulnerability with others. Because it's so essential to living as a friend of God and a friend of others. How many of you know the place that you can be most vulnerable is in prayer? Has anybody figured that out? You know, you can say anything to God. You won't shock him or offend him. What a beautiful thought. Vulnerability and authenticity. You know, Jesus, I love this text. It's probably one of my favorite texts and stories in the Bible. And uh, at the end of Jesus' life, he has the Last Supper. And we know, I've told you this story so many times. And he waits to see if any of the disciples will take the place of servanthood and washing the feet of the other disciples. Nobody picks up the mantle. So the Bible records, and this is in John 13, Jesus, knowing that all things had been placed under his power, that he had come from God and that he was returning to God, he took off his outer garment, wrapped a towel around his waist, and washed his disciples' feet. Now, why is that significant? Because Jesus, I love this, knowing that all authority was his, which is about significance. He's so secure in the authority that God's given him, he understands it. How many of you know you have authority? How many of you know you have power? How many of you know your words have power in people's lives? That you have words to tear them down or you have words to build them up. And a lot of times, you know, we gossip and slander people because of our own insecurities. But you have authority. You have power. This is like Jesus. Knowing that he had all authority. Knowing that he had come from God, that's about acceptance. How many of you have been accepted by God? You didn't choose God. God chose you. You've been accepted by the living God. God picked you. Do you ever marvel at that? Do you ever go, God, why did you pick me? God, this is incredible. You've accepted me. Why not the person next to me? It's not because you're better. It's not because they're worse. God in his mercy has reached you. You're accepted by God. You're significant. But you also have this incredible understanding of security because you know where you're going. Jesus knew he had all authority, knew that he had come from God, and knew that he was going to return to God. Guys, listen to me. When we're done here, and the garment of our lives is folded up, the tent of our lives is a tent, by the way. It's not a permanent structure. It's a tent. When that tent is folded up, where are you going? Amen? Well, he's on his way, and he's here to stay, and he's here to bring us home. Amen? All you lonely people, Jesus is not leaving you or forsaking you. He's authentic. 
The Bible calls Jesus the second Adam, and you remember the first Adam covered up, he hid, he blamed, he justified, he got all the attention off himself, but the Bible says the second Adam uncovered. He took off that robe, he took off that covering, he took off that mantle, and he said, I'm here to serve you and to love you. Vulnerability, authenticity. How about empathy and withholding judgment? I love this, 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, he says, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, but brothers are born for adversity. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. How many of you know, just because your friend does something wrong, you don't have to tell him what he does wrong every time? How many of you know in your marriage, um, you cover over a multitude of sins of your spouse. Isn't that true? My wife and I have conversations all the time, she's, and when we're having really juicy, fighty conversations, we always start with words like this, you never, and you always. And then I'm, I'm so cheeky and so bad, I say, well, if I always, then why are you telling me about it? Because I always will do it anyway. How many of you that's not the answer? <laughs> 30 years of marriage, I figured that out. Oh, okay, that's not what she was looking for there. So how many, I just, my wife could ruin me if she wanted to. But she covers over a multitude of my sins. This is part of our lives as believers. You know, you need to do that with people, my friends. My wife and I have a very good friend, uh, a couple, and they were going through probably the most difficult time in their life. And through this time, people began to betray them. People began to gossip about them. People began to slander them. Friendships began to leave them left, right, and center. And it was horrible what they were going through and what people who they thought were their friends were now their enemies and betraying them. And I remember my friend sat me down, literally looked me in the eye, and he said, what are you going to do? And it was kind of one of those moments of divine inspiration. And I said to my friend, you know, when the building called your life is on fire, everyone's fleeing from the fire, but the friend is the one that's running into the building to see if you're okay. I said, I'm not going anywhere. We're here. And that is still one of my great friendships to this day. You know, people go through difficult times, amen? You need to be empathetic. <laughs> you need to put yourself in their shoes. You need to withhold judgment at times. All of us are broken, you guys. All of us need that incredible covering over our lives, that even though we are imperfect. How many of you know you all have blind spots? You don't even see how pathetic you are sometimes? Other than Doug Fraser in the front row, everyone else has blind spots, but the Lord will deal with him this week. It's all good. Now I know he knows. He's good. Amen? Be empathetic, church. Don't rush to judgment. Cover over a multitude of sins. This sixth one I hate because I'm not good at it. 
but I better say it, effective listening skills. Oh, I'm sorry, Betty. There's an American First Nations proverb that says this, listen or your tongue will make you deaf. Hmm. I wonder what that means for a guy who likes to talk all the time. Developing good listening skills. What are some poor listening skills? Spacing out. Ever done that? Here's a great motto. Wherever you are, be all there. You ever been present with somebody and you're not present? How about pretend listening? You ever done that? Um, mm, cool. Mm, yeah, mm, yeah. How about selective listening? Where you only hear what you want to hear and it's one little piece and, that's, and from there you're gone. You're not listening to anything else they say. Anybody else ever done that? You know, here's a tough one. This is really tough. Actually, you should get good at this one. How about if you do word listening? This is not a good listening skill. When you miss body language, do you know that 7% of listening, only 7% is words? Body language is 55% and tone of voice is 38%. You ever been in a conversation and the person folds their arms and you know right in that moment you just lost them? It's pretty funny for me when I'm in pastoral counseling because I try not to fold my arms all the time because I'm like, I'm shocked by something. I'm like, keep your arm. Are you kidding me? No, it's like, don't fold your arms. So Pastor, it's not, I'm not trying to do it, but sometimes we're guilty of word listening. How about self-centered listening? Interpreting things from our point of view rather from that, than from that person's. I do this, God forgive me, I do it. Judging, advising, probing, drives my wife crazy. I constantly advise her. She just wants to share with me something she's going through. And I immediately move in to fix this. And it's like, is that you, Betty, over there? It is you. Well, I can't talk about her now. She's here. Just kidding. And so I'm, I really am trying. But I am so wired to fix things. I just think that my advice is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it's so accurate. <laughs> Uh, don't try and connect it to your own experiences. This is one where you can really hurt somebody. And I, I do it. I'm guilty of it. Somebody will be sharing. They're going through a difficulty in their health or brokenness. And then you're like, well, I went through this last week. Oh, that's not listening. Okay? So what's genuine listening? First, listen with your eyes, your heart, and your ears. Second, try and stand in their shoes. And lastly, practice mirroring. So you can say, Do, if I understand it, you, it sounds like you really feel this way. Or if I'm hearing you correctly, this is what it, I think you're saying. So that you can be accurate in your, in your conversations. Listen, listen. And I've, I've said this before. I don't know if John and Esther are here. I'm not sure. Is that? No, I can't see them. If you ever want to meet the most incredible listener in all the world that I have ever met in my life, 
meet John and Esther's daughter, Bonnie. She trains hospital chaplains. That's her job. And when you're with her, you almost want to start weeping because she's so intently listening to you. And I say, God, help me to be a better listener when I meet somebody who's really good at it. Okay, let me finish with one last one. And the band's going to come back. Humor. Friends should be fun to be around. Amen? Don't you like being around fun people? Isn't it good to just laugh at ourselves once in a while and laugh at the situations we're in? You know, humor is a gift from God. Laughter is good medicine, the Bible says. My wife and I were watching a movie the other day and the person was suffering from dementia. And when the doctor told the person that this is irreversible and this is what's going to happen next, he cracks a joke and it's quite funny. And uh, the doctor kind of rebukes him like it's not a time to be funny. And he just corrects the doctor. He says, no, this is the time when you need to be most funny. You need to be authentically who you are. And I just thought that was a profound thought in that movie. He's like, I don't want to lose my sense of humor. That'll be the last thing I want to go in my life. You know, we need good friends. We need to laugh with them. And we need to have hearty laughs, great moments of friendship. Amen? Let me tell you a joke. So this Baptist pastor and his wife decided they needed a dog. And uh, so they went to the, the pet store and they said, we need a dog, but the dog needs to be Baptist. And so the pet store owner says, I have just the dog. And he calls over Rover. And he says, Rover, fetch the Bible. So Rover goes and fetches the Bible and the pastor's wife, and the pastor's wife are looking, wow, this is incredible. And then the, the store owner says, turn to John 3.16. And the dog paws gently on the pages, not tearing that rice paper and points right to John 3.16. The pastor and his wife are saying, this is incredible. We'll take him. And they get so excited, they test him with other passages, and he can turn to the passage. And they even try to test him, you know, like they'll say things like, turn to Zechariah 29, and the dog will go, because, you know, it doesn't exist. Or they'll be like, you know, that's not where he wants to go. Oh, wow, this dog is so incredible. He's truly a Baptist dog. So they invite the elders and the deacons from the church over to show off their brand new Baptist dog. And uh, they're doing all these passages of scripture and he's leafing through and the people are amazed. And finally, one of the, one of the uh, deacons says, well, does he do any like normal dog tricks? The pastor says, oh yes. He says, Grover, heal. Grover jumps up on the table, places his paw on the pastor's head and begins to, to seemingly pray. And he says, oh my goodness, we brought home a Pentecostal dog. Amen. Yes. I didn't write that joke, but it's funny. It's funny. 
Amen? We need to laugh, church. Be with friends. This is Christmas. Love one another deeply. Thank you, Jesus, that we can gather this Christmas. That's a gift from the Lord. You know, just love your relatives, even though they drive you a bit crazy. Can you just love them? Laugh with them this week. Amen. Enjoy them. They are God's gift to you. Make sure that you're doing this. Be a good friend, church. Trustworthiness and loyalty, honor and honesty, faithfulness and dependability, vulnerability, authenticity, empathy, withholding judgment. Be a good listener and be fun to be around. Amen. Here's my last pieces of advice to you. Don't wait for others to be friendly with you. Be a friend to others. Some people wait around for others to be friendly to them. Choose to be a friend. When I first went to a church, when I first became a Christian, I noticed it was kind of clicky in the group. And I was a young adult. I was 21 years old. And um, I just noticed that there were people that were being excluded from the group. And so for me, I just, I said to myself, well, I'm going to go after those people and hang out with them and be their friend. And you know what ended up happening is we became the great group that everybody wanted to be part of. The ones that everybody else kind of rejected. Just be a friend, amen? Be a friend. You know, and understand a couple, next thing is this. One friend cannot fulfill every desire and need of your life. You need to have a few good friends. Don't be so needy and clingy because you got one good friend and you want to spend every minute of time with them. Expand your friendship boundaries. Lastly is this. How do we become a friend of Jesus? Because that's the starting point of all things. James 2.23 says this. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. Just believe that God wants to be your friend. Amen? Let's bow our heads in prayer. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Greg, I need more good friends in my life or I just need to be a better friend in my life to others. Just raise your hand and give me a wave. Say yes, yes, many of us. My hand goes up. Amen. If you're here today and you have never asked Jesus to be your friend, you've never invited him into your life and said, Jesus, I want to believe you, that you want to be my friend, that you choose me. If that's you here today, you need to make a commitment to following Jesus Christ. If you're watching online, you can do that as well. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand if that's you and say, Pastor Greg, I need to be Jesus' friend. I need him to come into my heart and into my life. 
If you've done that online, let us know. There's a little button for you to push that says, I've made a first-time commitment to Jesus Christ. We thank you for watching and being part of this family. But let's pray a prayer for those. If there's those that want, made a decision to follow Jesus, let's pray a prayer out loud together. Say, Heavenly Father, thanks for your son, Jesus, who is my friend. Forgive my sins. Come into my life today. In Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord, help me to be a friend to others. Why don't we stand to our feet right now? We're going to close by singing this song together. Why don't you lead us fast? Where the Spirit of the Lord there is freedom where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. Lift your eyes to heaven. There is
go and be a friend to the friendless. Be a friend to those in your life. Love deeply this Christmas season. Amen. We're going to be back on the 24th. There's three services. We're at 4 o'clock, 4.30, 6 o'clock, 7.30. One of three. You can pick one of three. If you're really crazy, come to all three. But have fun and love each other and eat way too much turkey. Give the Lord Jesus Christ a hand clap today. Amen. Amen.